service uh, here in just a few minutes. Thank you for choosing to be here today. For all those of you who are joining us online, thank you for joining us as well. We've got some more folks that are going to be coming in over the next few minutes, and we'll um, get started with, with singing praises and spending time in worship together today. I uh, do want to make you aware of a couple of things, especially um, if this is one of your first times with us in order to try to keep this as uh, safe an atmosphere as possible. We ask that you keep your mask on the whole time while you're with us, um, even when we're singing. We would appreciate that. And then also in all of your chairs, um, there should be a little communion cup. And if you haven't done this before, when we have our time of communion, we'll have uh, some thoughts and a prayer together over both the bread and the juice. And then uh, you can just peel back the top lid and, and that's the wafer there that you, can, that you can eat and then peel back the next lid and that's the juice. And then we'll uh, help throw these away after that time comes. So I want you to be aware of that ahead of time when we take communion together. Also, um, as much as possible, we try to keep uh, three chairs between ourselves and, or our family and the next family unit uh, next to us. So that doesn't always uh, work exactly the way we wanted to, but we'll try to do that as best we can today, okay? Um, this morning, we're going to spend time singing together, singing praises together. This morning, we're going to spend time, as I've already said, taking communion together and celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. This morning, we're going to spend time in the Word together. And I'm glad that you chose to be here this morning. I'm glad that even those who are, who are at, at home and joining us online chose to get up and be with us and worship with us this morning. Um, because with all the things that are going on in our lives right now, with all the things that are going on in our world and our culture right now, this is an awesome thing for us to be able to do, to tune everything else out for a few minutes and just spend time together with fellow believers, with even people who are questioning uh, this whole Christianity thing and, and to, to be in the presence of our God worshiping together. So of all the things you could be doing this morning, the fact that you chose here to be with us to worship together, that's awesome. And we're honored by that. We don't, we don't take that lightly. I'm going to start us off with a prayer this morning and ask God to bless our time of worship. And, and as I do that, I do want to make you aware um, of a few things that we all need to be praying about. Um, most of you, well, not most of you, many of you are aware uh, that uh, Tim and Lindsay Choate were um, expecting another child. And uh, Lindsay lost that baby um, this weekend. And so um, had, to, had to deliver the baby stillborn yesterday. And so we want to keep Tim and Lindsay and their family in our prayers. Uh, also, Sherry Barnhill um, is, has been moved uh, to hospice care at her house. She's been um, recently diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer and uh, probably just has a few days left. And so we've been asked to, to keep her and uh, Jared and Jenna and Jill and the rest of the family uh, in our prayers, if we would. Just found out as he was pulling into the parking lot this morning, Mike Seeger's mom passed away. And so... He is headed back right now to Salem Springs, and so uh, we want to keep uh, Mike and his sister and the rest of the family, uh, and his dad and the rest of the family in our prayers uh, as well. And if, as soon as we find out more details about that, we'll let our church family know. But, but that just, we just be, were made aware of that. And then for those of you who were a part of the Southside uh, Church for many years, or at least have been in the Northwest Arkansas area for a while, you may have known Jackie and Mackie Chestnut. As a matter of fact, last Sunday we talked about creating some posters and signs to welcome Mackie home from the hospital. Uh, she passed away last night, or maybe yesterday morning, but she, she passed away yesterday. And uh, so we're going to keep Jackie and the rest of that family in our prayers. So there's a lot of things that a lot of people that either our church family or people that we're connected to are dealing with. And so we're just going to, we're going to start off this morning with our prayer, not only asking God to fill this place with his presence as we worship, but to fill these people's lives um, 
with compassion and mercy and comfort, okay? So let's pray together, and then we'll begin worshiping God together. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you. And Father, we, we recognize, we acknowledge that you are alive, that you are powerful, that you are gracious and, and compassionate, and that you listen to us when we call out to you. God, we, we thank you for being that kind of a loving, um, attentive, attentive father for us. And so we bring some, some requests before you this morning, God. We pray for the Choate family and, and such a difficult uh, loss for them at this time. And, and Father, just the, the emotional, besides the, the, the physical strain that this is taking on Lindsay, the emotional strain that, that it will be taking on, on uh, that, that will be causing for her and Tim and the rest of the family. We just pray for peace and comfort uh, for them at this time. For for Sherry, God, we pray for as much freedom from pain as possible uh, and that you would call her home soon, that, that she would not uh, be made to suffer long in this world and, and be with her kids and the rest of her family as they look after her and try to care for her. Give them strength, give, give them courage, uh, and give them rest and peace um, as well during this time. God, we pray for, for Mike and his sister and the rest of the family, for his dad who just lost his spouse, God, we, we just cry out to you and say, Father, please wrap your, your arms around Mike and the rest of his family right now, the loss of his mom. Um, knowing that she's been having health issues for a while doesn't make it any easier uh, to lose someone that they cared so much about. And so we pray for your compassion and your comfort and your healing for them. And for the family of, of Mackie Chestnut, God, we pray for Jackie. We pray for David and Tammy and, and all the grandkids. Um, God, we just pray for that family. And we thank you for this service that that family has given to your kingdom for so many years and all the lives that they've touched uh, in their years of ministry. And we are thankful, God, that, that you called Mackie home, that she doesn't have to suffer uh, from cancer anymore. But we pray for, for peace and for comfort uh, for her family at this time as well. God, it, it, as, we, as we pray these things to you, it, it, it weighs on our hearts um, it causes us to feel sad, maybe even depressed about just problems in this world. And may we, God, may, may we be okay with, with grieving and, and with feeling sorrow, but at the same time recognize, God, that you, you can still bring us joy in the middle of the storms, in the middle of the waves crashing. We can feel your presence. We can feel you carrying us through. And so we pray that you help us do that this morning. As we sing to you, as we pray to you, as we celebrate you, God, may we feel the joy of your spirit in this place as we worship together. And God, just bless our, our praise team and, and anyone else that's leading us to your throne to worship you this morning. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everybody on your feet, let's get ready to worship together. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow at his name. He is the wonderful counselor, he is the mighty God, he is the everlasting father, he is the prince of peace. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at 
at his name. There is no other name. No name by which we're saved. There is no other name but Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. There is no other name. No name by which we're saved. There is no other name but Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. At the name of Jesus, every tongue confess. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow at his name. Every knee shall bow at his name. Every knee shall bow at his name. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God, the Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God, the Lord God reigns. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He is God indeed. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is God supreme. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He is God indeed. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. The Lord reigns. He is a mighty God. The God the Lord God reigns. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He is God indeed. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is God supreme. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He is God indeed. Great is the Lord. Light of the world, you sat down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life spent with you. So here I am to worship. Here I am. Say that you're my God, you're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether.
altogether wonderful to me. King of all days, oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created, all for love's sake became poor. So here I am to worship, here I to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. John chapter 11, there's a story about Jesus and his friend Lazarus. Jesus' friend Lazarus, uh, he, he falls ill. And his friends let Jesus know, like, hey, this is, this is end times for your guy, Lazarus. And if you need to go and see him, and, and, and say something, or do something about it, now would be the time, and Jesus waits, and he doesn't do anything, and then Lazarus passes away. As I just hear some of the announcements and stuff this morning, just about the, the hardship that, I mean, not only our church family is going through, but the, the world, and trying to understand uh, uh, death, trying to understand pain, trying to understand 
why things are happening. And we realize that Jesus went through similar things, trying to understand pain, trying to understand those things, trying to embrace a world that is dealing with those things. We realize that this was probably not the first time for Jesus that he had lost somebody that was close to him. It says this in, in, in John chapter 11, starting in verse 17, it says, Now whenever Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. It says, Whenever the, uh, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary re- remained seated in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had just been there, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said something odd to her. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha, being a Jew, she said, yeah, I, I know that in the, in the last days he's going to rise again in the resurrection on this last day. And then Jesus says something interesting to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live And everybody who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks her a very specific question. And he says, do you believe this? And she says, yes, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. At this moment of uh, communion, when we think about Jesus' sacrifice for us, we realize that he meets us exactly where we are. In times when we struggle to figure out God's plan, we ask questions, try and figure out what's happening, grapple with the world and the broken world that it is, grappling with death, grappling with sickness, and trying to figure those things out and bringing, bringing our questions to God and be like, where were you? You could have done something. Where were you? Jesus meets us there both on a theological level, and he's there and he says, I am the resurrection and the life, but at the same time, he weeps in the following verses, the shortest verse that we have in our English Bible. He says, he, he goes to the tomb and he weeps for Lazarus. He lost a friend. He lost somebody that he cared about. It says in Hebrews 4 that we don't serve this God that is far away from us. We serve a God that meets us where we're at, a God that recognizes our weakness, and he's been there. The emotions, all the emotions that we've had, Jesus has been there. He's, all of his emotions that he's had, d- d- either depression or anxiety or, or worry and those things, he's, he's been there in those places and experienced those things for us. And ultimately, in his death on the cross, that is where he meets us. In our brokenness, that is where he meets us. In the fact that we can never be good enough, he meets us there. He weeps with us. He allows us to ask questions. And he holds us. We don't understand why. So as we're praying for communion, let's think about that. Let's see this Savior who met us into a place that we couldn't be. He saved us in a way that we could not save ourselves. And that's why we recognize him every Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that you gave your life on the cross for our sins, that you shed blood that should have been ours, a life that was lost that should have been ours. And God, you took our place on that cross. And God, in the middle of this 
pandemic, in the middle of all of this pain, in the middle of all of this worry and anxiety and doubt and questions, God, you meet us there. And you say, I know. And you weep with us. And God, we believe in you as the resurrection and the life that is to come. And we know that eternal life is ours. And we believe in your name. God, bless, bless this moment of communion as we take the bread and the cup. And please bless our discussion as we dive into your word today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay, well, let's all stand up for the song before Marshall's lesson this morning. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. The fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. The ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are good, good Lord. 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 Let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sails. The anchor in the waves, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins. The echo of my days, oh, he is my song. You are good, good, Lord. You are good, good, Lord. You are good. Good Lord, you are good, good Lord. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. Never gonna let me down, you are good, good Lord, 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 you are good, good. If you've been a part of this church family for a while, you've probably heard me talk about different trips that I've taken 
to Duluth, Minnesota to do service projects. I used to take teenagers when I was doing youth ministry. I used to take a bunch of teenagers uh, every summer. We go up to Duluth and we spend a week doing different service projects. Uh, mostly painting houses, but doing some other projects as well. Well, that started when I was in college. And when I was in college, I went with a bunch of, um, you know, college students up to Duluth, Minnesota during spring break uh, to do all these service projects. Now, back in that time, uh, you know, in early March, um, there's still a lot of snow on the ground in Duluth, Minnesota. And so a lot of our projects were inside and we might be painting the inside of houses or we might be doing some cleaning or some, I don't know, reconstruction or overhaul or whatever we were doing. It was mostly inside. Now, uh, this one particular trip, there were only a handful of us that went as a whole bunch of guys. And, and you know, if you can imagine, it's a bunch of, of college guys going on a road trip and doing service projects. It was really fun and also probably somewhat dangerous at the same time. And one of the projects that the church asked us to do was to repaint the women's restroom. Now, the church building uh, for this church was an, an, an old building, uh, had been around for many, many, many decades. And the, the restrooms were down, um, in the basement and this women's restroom was, was just tiny. I mean, the whole restroom probably wouldn't have taken up even maybe a third of the stage. I mean, it was just really small. And, uh, the ceilings were really low too. I mean, maybe six and a half foot you know, I don't think it was a full seven foot ceiling, uh, but they were solid. So we had, we, you know, solid white on the ceilings and there was whatever color we were painting the walls. So uh, four of us college guys crammed into the small restroom painting with the windows and doors shut. So I'm going to blame it on the paint fumes. Uh, it, it wasn't the fact that we were all, you know, 19, 20 year old kids. It was, it was the paint fumes that started getting us a little bit giggly and not, maybe not taking the project nearly as seriously as we should have. Uh, so paint is getting everywhere. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we, we weren't even told to paint the ceiling. We're, we're just painting the walls and, and we're kind of, it, it was just bad. I just, we, we didn't take any mirrors off. Now that we're just like, ah, we'll get around it. It'll be fine. And, and we're getting paint on glass and on fixtures. Um, and one guy I remember, uh, his name was Dan and he, we had rollers and he had a roller and he was doing the wall. And then he does like this on the ceiling. He's like, we're supposed to paint the ceiling too. And we're like, nope. He's like, okay. And just kept doing that. And it didn't even match. It wasn't even the same color, you know, it just this, this stripe that didn't match the rest of the ceiling that he had just painted. And we keep on painting. And then, you know, after we get done that afternoon and, and I guess maybe we can come back the next day and we go in there and look at, at our at our work at all that we had done that we had said, ah, it's, that's, that's good enough. And walk back in, oh my, it was terrible. Uh, apparently one of the guys was supposed to paint just in this one stall and he stopped when he got to the top of the toilet tank and just like, nobody ever looks down behind the toilet tank, right? So just leave it, it'll be fine. So there was mis mismatched colors. There were paint droppings uh, all over the, the tile floor. And like I said, one big stripe in the middle of the, you know, on, on the ceiling. And it stayed that way for years. They didn't come back and, and repaint. Bless our hearts. I would come back year after year, you know, either with college kids or later on doing youth ministry. And, you know, sometimes there would be girls who go in the bathroom like, man, they should really paint that bathroom. Like, you know, they really should. Somebody should do something about that. But we painted that restroom and we got done at the end of the afternoon thinking, good enough. I mean, paint got on the walls. That's what they asked us to do. It was good enough, right? Um... I tend to do that sometimes, especially when it comes to projects. I, I lose my patience and think, 
that's good enough. It'll suffice. Um, my friend Aaron Coffey and I, several years ago, we, we, he, I asked him to help me put, we, we got a whole bunch of, of, of uh, one foot square bricks to add on to the side of our very small patio at our house uh, at the time. And so we got a whole truckload of those, got them delivered. We carry all the bricks back. He comes the next morning to help me lay out this, this brick patio. And we got the, the leveling sand all down. We got it all smoothed out. And, uh, you know, we, we, it's probably about four bricks across on, on a row. Uh, and we get that first row laid and, and it wasn't totally even. And we had to keep working and messing. It took us a long time just to get those four bricks laid. And I was like, man, this is going to take all day. So, you know what we did from that point on? Just, you know, just laid the bricks out until there weren't any left. And you're like, you know what? Good enough. That's fine. And um, that part of our patio always kind of wobbled a little bit. And there were gaps, like large gaps in between some of the bricks and stuff as time went on. But it's good enough. So show of hands. Anybody want to hire me to do a project at your house? I didn't think so. Okay. So that's kind of, you know, maybe you have that attitude sometimes where, where, there's some things you're like, man, I'm really going to make sure to do the best job I possibly can on this. And there's sometimes, what, I mean, it may be a project at work, it may be a home project, uh, you know, whatever it is that you may be thinking, ah, good enough. And I want you to keep that in mind as we remind ourselves of this series that we started going through a couple weeks ago, the FAQs, the frequently asked questions that people have about Christianity, about the Bible, about God, about uh, the reason why we believe the things we believe or, or do uh, things the way that we do them. And so today we want to be answering one of the questions that is asked often by, um, I guess, non-Christians, but even people who, have, who are believers and who go to church on a regular basis uh, and, and got asked by several people in, in kind of uh, two or three different ways about, you know, from our church family that asked this question. And that question is, isn't being a good person good enough? Is it good enough just to be a good person? I mean, you know, if you, if you look at, at the Bible and, and what it's calling us to, it's calling us to be good people. Well, I know good people, and maybe they don't come to church all the time, and maybe they, maybe they haven't gone through some kind of, of, I don't know, salvation process, but they're good people, and, and so they'll be in heaven, right? I mean, that's good enough. There's other follow-up questions to that. I mean, do I, do I really have to go through some kind of salvation process? Um, I mean... Do I have to go to church? Do I have to get involved in a church? Do I, do all religions, I mean, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of them really are just focused on making you a better person, right? So really everybody's okay as long as you're trying to be a good person. Makes sense, doesn't it? Being a good person seems like it should be good enough. It's an important question. It's a, it's a frequently asked question. It's especially asked in, in, our, in our culture and our communities nowadays because we are, man, our, our, our culture is so hyper-focused on inclusion and equality and making sure that nobody feels left out. And I want to say this before I go a, a whole lot further. As I say something like that about, about the kind of the the state of our, of the mindset of our culture right now, I'm all about treating all humans, no matter what skin color, gender, age, um, family background, 
however many zeros there are or are not in their paycheck, whatever their religious beliefs are, whatever political party it is they belong to, I believe that we are called, that I am called to treat everybody the best that I possibly can, to treat everybody as, as equals, as divinely created and passionately loved people created by our God. I believe God calls us to view all people this way. But as we talked about last week, I believe that every word in this book is true. And if, if you have questions about that, I invite you to go back and look at last Sunday's lesson where we talked about how we can know that this is real and this is true and this is accurate. But if this is true, if, if the Bible is true, if scripture is true, there's some specific things that the Bible has to say about committing ourselves and, and, and committing our lives to Jesus Christ and becoming children of God. And I'm convinced that Scripture teaches us that just being a good person is not good enough. And I should also offer you this disclaimer, especially if you don't know me that well. This is uncomfortable for me to talk about because I don't like ruffling feathers. And I, and I, I want to get along with everybody and I want to like everybody and I want everybody like me. So to even, even talk about the possibility of, man, there's some people that just, the way they're living their lives, the things that they're choosing to believe in, that's not, it's not fully in line with scripture. It's not, it's not good enough. That's hard. But I think it's true. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, when, when asked a question, he said, I, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And pay attention to, to what he says after this, the very next statement. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a bold statement that Jesus makes. There's all sorts of ways that his, even his own disciples may have thought, this is how you get to God. And this is how you become a person that, that, that God likes and, and, and that God will welcome into heaven. And Jesus pushes all that aside and says, it's right here. It's me. And if you don't have a relationship with me and you don't have a connection with me, you're not going to get to him. And one of his disciples by the name of Peter not very long after this, as he's talking to a crowd full of Jewish people, matter of fact, Jewish religious leaders who, who had memorized scripture, who knew what the Bible had to say, says this in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. He says, salvation, rescue, forgiveness, grace, freedom. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And he's talking about the name Jesus Christ. And it's, again, it's a bold statement that Peter makes. Peter's talking to this room full of Jewish people. And he says, listen, this guy that you crucified, he rose again. I want you to understand that he's the only way for mankind to be saved. He's the only way to experience salvation. That choosing him, choosing his grace, choosing to follow him and to, and to live like him. That's, that's the only way. It's not good enough to just be a good person. So then why, why are there so many of us that struggle with that? And why are there so many in our, in our society and in our culture that, that are opposed to saying there's only one way? That there's only one God, that there's only one path, there's only one way to heaven. Why are some of us as Christians even, even kind of hesitant to agree with that and, and, and to believe in that and to say that? 
And if, if we talked about that, if we had the ability and the time right now just to even ask for responses, why we struggle with that, I think we'd have a whole bunch of different answers. But I think all those answers can, about it, can, can be condensed down for the most part to one word, and that's fear. And fear keeps us from wanting to say that Jesus Christ is, is the only way to heaven. Fear for, fear for other people. Maybe I have somebody in my life that hasn't given their life to Jesus, that hasn't chosen to become a Christian. And if I believe that Scripture teaches that someone has to be a saved believer in Jesus to get to heaven, and anybody who doesn't make that choice, and anybody who doesn't go through that process, that, that they're going to be eternally separated from God when they die, and they're going to end up in hell. Well, I don't want that for them. I care about that person. I don't want that for them. I'm afraid for them. I'm fearful of them experiencing that separation. And so I just choose, I just choose to believe that it's not, it's not necessary. It's not vital to become a Christian. And as long as that person is, is a pretty good person. If they're, if they're a good spouse and a good parent, they're a decent person, they love their family, they, they contribute in some way to society, they pay their taxes, they volunteer, they, they donate to good causes, and, and they're just, you know, you look at that person like, that's, that's a good dude. Then they're okay. I'm fearful for them, so I choose to believe and maybe even say, eh, being good enough is okay. Is, good enough. Maybe it's fear for myself and specifically fear of the labels that, that I might risk having put on me. Maybe I fear being called judgmental, hateful, exclusive, bigoted, narrow-minded. I mean, none of us like labels, especially if they're negative. We don't like people looking at us and, and, and trying to define who we are and telling us who we are and, and, and what they see in us, especially if that's a negative connotation. That's hurtful, and we don't want to experience that. And in a culture that is, <laughs> in a culture that is so quick to judge people it perceives as being judgmental. I mean, that's the, that's the problem that we struggle with, right? We live in a culture that is so judgmental of judgmental people. In a, in a culture like that, it's so quick to label and to, and to judge that it perceives as being uh, judgmental. Uh, and, and, as, and as much as we want to avoid that perception, we want to be liked. We want people to, to see us in a positive light. And we want to get along with everybody. And we're afraid of those labels. I don't want to be labeled as judgmental or hateful. So I'll just choose to believe and maybe even say, maybe even communicate I think being good is good enough. And let me say this as well. It's not really accurate if I'm, if I'm basing my beliefs on Scripture to say that I'm the one being judgmental if I tell you what Scripture says. God's the one doing the judging, not me. And all I want to be able to do is share the message and share the truth. And thank goodness God is the righteous judge. He knows how to judge a whole lot better than I do because I would mess the whole thing up. It's not me being judgmental. It's me recognizing the truth of Scripture. 
the accuracy of Scripture and trying to, to proclaim that message. But again, I believe that Scripture teaches that being a good person is a good thing. We should be good people. But just being a good person is not good enough. I have to somehow commit my life to Jesus Christ. And, and I think Scripture also teaches us why. Here's, here's why it's not good enough. Here's why we can't just settle for just being good. Let me give you a handful of reasons this morning. The first reason that I can't just be satisfied with being good is because I can't enjoy the most blessed life now. I mean, we talk about becoming a Christian. The ultimate goal of being, the, being a Christian is, is when Jesus comes back one of these days, I get to go with him. He's going to come get me and take me to heaven. I'm, I'm going to get to be with him and with God forever. That's, that's, and, and have eternal life. That's the goal, right? I get across the finish line and I, I win. I get the victory. And that's what scripture teaches. And, and I, I don't want to diminish that at all. We are called to give our lives to God so that when he comes back to get us, we can spend eternal life with him forever. Isn't that great? All the people that we mentioned this morning that are suffering, that have lost loved ones, all the pain that we experience in this world is gone. And forever and ever, we get to experience amazing joy and peace and the presence of Almighty God. Doesn't that sound awesome? That's the goal. But if I miss out on that connection, that relationship with Jesus now, I'm missing out on the blessed life now. Not just someday. But right now, Islam and Judaism, they promise that the only way that I get to experience blessings in this life is if I keep enough rules, if I do enough things right on my checklist, if I do enough of the right things the right way. That's the only way that God blesses me while I'm here on this earth. Hinduism teaches that the only way that I get good stuff is to do good stuff to other people. It's karma. And I've got to make sure that I'm only doing a whole lot of good things to other people so that I'll get a whole lot of good things in return while I'm living here on this earth. And that means it's all up to me. If I'm going to enjoy this life, that's a lot of pressure. It's got to be on me. But, when, but here's what Scripture says. When I choose to experience salvation in Jesus Christ and give my life to him, I have the hope of eternal life when this life is over and the promise of having a completely blessed life while I'm here on this earth. And I'm not talking about what some people falsely preach and teach and believe in. It says if you, if you pray enough and if you have a positive enough attitude and if you write a big enough check and if you name it and claim it, God's going to make you wealthy and healthy and completely trouble free. That is not accurate. That's not even biblical. Now, I'm not saying that's the kind of blessed life that God is promising us. The promise from God is that when I give my life to him, when I become his child, and not just to try to be a good person, but when I fully commit my life to him, that my life here and now is more blessed than it ever was without him. That I, I am so thankful for all the good stuff that happens and all the blessings that I receive because I recognize that it comes from him. But I'm also able to walk through the storms and the droughts and the problems in this life. That I get to experience joy and peace and comfort and answered prayers and, and, and acceptance and, and purpose in this life. 
and, and guidance for my decisions, but I also get to experience an, an, un, an ununderstandable joy and peace when things are rotten, when things aren't going the way that they're supposed to, when my prayers don't get answered the way that I want them to, and recognize that I still have guidance, and I still have provision, I still have God's presence in my life. That's what Jesus Christ promises. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said it this way. He says, I have come. The reason I have come to this world is so that they can have life and have it to the full. And if you go back to the ancient Greek language that this verse was originally written in, that word that our English Bibles translates as full actually means overflowing. And he gives you the concept of holding out a cup and taking a pitcher and pouring liquid into the cup. And, and as, the, as the water level rises and comes to the top, you don't stop. And it keeps pouring over the sides. And, and Jesus says, that's the kind of life that I come to give you. And overflowing, never stopping, overflowing, blessed life. And he's not talking about bank accounts and square footage on our houses. He's talking about, I can give you joy. I can give you peace. I can give you acceptance and connection and hope now. You get to experience that now on a daily basis over and over and over and over again. As long as you stay connected to me. I see it. I feel it. I experience it. And if I'm just trying to be a good person, I don't get that. If I'm just satisfied with just being okay, I don't get that presence. I don't get that kind of blessing in my life. I can't enjoy the most blessed life now. I, can't, I also can't have the connection that God craves. God designed me to be in connection with other people and in connection with him. Whether a person believes in him or not, God designed each and every one of us to be in a connection and a relationship with him. He craves it. It's what he made us for. I mean, if you go back to the very beginning, go in your Bibles to the book of Genesis and read about God's creation of all the things that he created, of all the plants, animals, trees, everything that he created, who did he want to spend his time with? Us. He created mankind not only to be in his image, to look like and to talk like him, but to actually be in relationship and connection with him. Before they messed everything up, what did Adam and Eve do on a daily basis? They sat with and walked with and talked with God because that's what he designed us for. And our sin messed that up and separated us from God. And God couldn't stand being disconnected from his creation like that. So what did he do? He put on flesh and, 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 and bones and blood and he came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And he was here with us. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. I don't want to be separated from you anymore. I want to be connected with you. Let me come walk in the life that you're walking in. Let me step in the mess and be in it with you. And that's what God did for us. And when Jesus died on the cross and rose again and left this earth, he left the spirit with us so that when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it's not just God near us. It's not just God around us. God is in us through the presence of his Holy Spirit. God desperately wants to be intimately connected in relationship with each one of his creation. Now, I can't have that connection that I desperately need. If I haven't given my life to him. He says through his prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 59 and verse 2. Your iniquities, your sins, your choices. 
has separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. He, he's, we're not connected. It's my sin. It's my selfishness. It's my pursuit of, of my own path. Those things keep me from being connected with God and they keep me from being, being what he designed me to be. And I can do, I can do good things, but I'm still disconnected from the one who craves that connection with me. Just doing good things is not good enough. Because I can't have that most blessed life and I can't have that connection and I, I can't remove my sin. I can't get rid of it on my own. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 3, beginning verse 22, this righteousness from God this relationship, this, this forgiveness, this grace from God, it comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Every single one of us has sinned. Those of us who have been raised from birth, going to church, and hearing Bible stories and singing Bible songs and learning different verses to get gold stars next to our name on the chart. Those of us who, who don't even remember what it's like to, to not have faith in Jesus. Guess what? We've sinned. Those of us who have never been a part of a church, who, who have never really had a relationship with God, who may even question if there really is a God, guess what? You sinned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. That's why Paul says there's no difference between any of us. No matter how good or how bad you think you are or other people think you are, we are all at the same starting point because we've all sinned. And that sin separated us from God. And it doesn't matter if I sin a few times or a few hundred times or a few thousand times. I am a sinner. And I can't do anything about that. I can't remove my own sin. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. I can volunteer, I can serve, I can help, I can donate, I can march, I can be friendly, I can be positive, I can do all these things. And you know what? My sin is still there. Until I allow Jesus to rescue me from it. Isn't, isn't just being good good enough? No. Because I can't be good enough on my own. I need a savior. I need to be saved. I can't do that for myself. I need him. Very quickly, I want to give you just an example that, that even scripture shares with us of why I believe being good isn't good enough. And it comes from Acts chapter 10. In the book of Acts, the, the whole um, 
basic purpose of, of the book of Acts is to tell you what the church looked like when it first started. After Jesus had, had had his years of ministry here, had died on the cross, had risen again, had gone back to, to the right hand of God and his throne in heaven. And he left his disciples here to continue his teaching, to continue to tell people about him, to continue to lead people to give their lives to him so that they could have the blessed life here on this earth and the promise of eternal life when this is over. And they started to meet together and share together, spend life together. That's what the whole book of Acts is about, how that whole process started. And in Acts chapter 10, you find out about a man named Cornelius. And Cornelius is described in verse 2, says that he and all his family were devout. And God-fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Man, you talk about a good dude. Cornelius was a good dude. He was a good person. He actually believed in God. He prayed often. He donated lots of money. He took good care of his family. If you looked at Cornelius, even if you just, you know, just kind of knew him randomly as a person in your neighborhood, and people say, well, tell me about that Cornelius. Man, Cornelius, he's just such a good guy. Just such a good man. But God sends Peter to Cornelius' house to tell Cornelius about Jesus. And in the process, I mean, God says, this guy believes in me and he, and he prays and he does good things. He needs to know about Jesus Christ. And Peter goes and he starts talking to him. And in the middle of, in the middle of Peter talking to him about Jesus, Cornelius and the rest of his family are filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, man, I'm done talking. Let's baptize him. And they do. It says in verse uh, 48, he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see from this story about Cornelius. Cornelius was a good person. He did good things. But Cornelius didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Being good wasn't good enough. That's what I want us to understand today. As I, as I say that, even, I mean, I've, I've been struggling even saying those things about, I don't even like saying good enough. Because when we talk about being good enough, it, it makes us feel, if I'm not good enough, well, then I just, it's on me. I've got to try harder. I've got to do more. I'm not, I'm not doing good enough. I got to do more good things or I got to get baptized. Maybe I got to get baptized a hundred times. I got to give bigger checks and I got to volunteer more and I'm, I'm not good enough. And that's not what I'm trying to say at all. This salvation, this freedom in Christ, it is a free gift. It doesn't depend on me. It's been done for me. People want to call Christians uh, 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 exclusive and say, well, they're trying, you know, Christians, they got their, they got their own club. And if you're not in the club, then, then you're just not good enough. And they just, they kind of huddle in. And to be honest with you, We've probably earned that reputation from time to time. But being children of God and being the church is not about being exclusive to the rest of the world. It's about trying to be as inclusive as we possibly can. Because the freedom in Christ, this free gift from God, is available to everyone. We want everyone to experience salvation and freedom and hope and purpose and love and acceptance and forgiveness. We want everyone to experience that. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. God our Savior, he says in verse 3, and he goes on in verse 4 to say, wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
How many people is all? This is everybody. God wants every single person on this earth to believe that the story is true, to believe in his son Jesus, to ask him into their hearts, to confess him as the Lord and Savior of their lives, to repent of all the dumb choices they've been making for so long, to give their lives to him, to be, to be baptized in his name, to have their sins washed away, and to try as best they can to walk in, his, in the light of his love and his presence, knowing that if they get off that path, he rescues them again. He wants everybody to experience that whole process. He wants everybody to be included, not excluded. Christianity is not exclusive at all. It's for every person. Our God doesn't want anyone to be left out. And neither do we. Neither do we. Let me, let me finish with this. I think I may have told you a long time ago that... Uh, my dad has land in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And I call it that. That's probably not the actual name of the town, but it is in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. I couldn't even tell you how to get there. There's highways that go to it or near it, and then you turn down a dirt road, and eventually you get to it. That's, I've, I've seen it. I've been there. I have no idea where it is, but it's, it's ours. Or I should say it's his. It's my dad's. And it got left to him by his dad, and it was left to him by his dad. And for a while, uh, there, were, there were some companies that built some gas wells on that land in Oklahoma. And there were checks that were coming in from the gases being produced uh, on that land. And I got to benefit from that. From that land in the middle of no nowhere, Oklahoma. I got to get whatever residual checks, whatever funds came from that land. I got to experience a little piece of that. And the only reason that I got anything from that land had nothing to do with me. It's all because of my connection with my dad. You don't get any benefit from that land. There's no checks coming from that land to your mailbox. Not because you're a bad person. Not because you don't need it. You might very well need it. Not because, not because I don't want you to have it. You just don't have the connection with my dad that I do. And by the same principle, you may not be living the most blessed life now. And you may not be, you may not be experiencing forgiveness and grace and acceptance that you could be experiencing. Not because you're a bad person. Not because you don't need it. Not because I or anybody else doesn't want you to have it. You don't have a connection with my father. And until you do, you don't get to receive the benefits. You get to experience the amazing blessings of being a child of God when you become a child of God. It's not about being good enough. I can't be good enough. I'm only made good enough through the blood of Jesus. It's his grace that draws me into that connection with him. And with Almighty God. If you don't have that connection, 
If you haven't given your life to Jesus, oh, I wish you would. I wish you would. And I'm not saying that just because I'm paid clergy. I desperately would love for you to know what it's like to be a child of God. To move beyond just trying to be a good person and to be a forgiven, dearly loved child of Almighty God. I want that for you. The only way to experience it is to give your life to Him. And I hope you choose to do that. We're not going to do what we've traditionally done in the past and, and sing a song and have offer the opportunity for people to come forward and share what's on their hearts or even make a commitment like that. But I, I want to tell you right now, when we're done with our worship today, I will stay here as long as I need to to answer whatever question you have, have whatever kind of conversation you want to have. Let's talk about, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus right now, let's talk about that. If you want to contact me later this week, I will, we'll email, we'll Zoom, we'll meet six feet apart from each other. Let's talk about being made good enough by the blood of Jesus. It's amazing what he's willing to do for us. And I want you to experience it. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope that we have because of your son. Jesus Christ, I thank you for coming to this world and, and living, showing us, how, showing us how to live and also dying for us. Father God, I thank you for, for wanting that connection with us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough to, to make that happen on our own. And yet you love us with such a passion that you made the ultimate sacrifice to be connected with us. Thank you for that, Father. Help us to not take that lightly and help us to share that with other people. We have good people in our lives on a daily basis, God. Help us to show them you so they can experience the ultimate freedom from sin and ultimate blessed life here on this earth and the ultimate hope of eternal life with you. Thank you, God, again, for your grace and your love. And we pray these things through the power of your son, Jesus. Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It is my joy to Because you were forsaken, 
I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to And for those of you that know me, you know I'm not smarter than the microphone, so. Um, whew, a little feedback there. It was good to see everybody here today. Good to see uh, old eyes and new eyes. Hopefully someday we'll see our whole face. Um, we're thankful that you joined us. Marshall, that's a great lesson. Connie and I were commenting last week uh, as we were driving back from Nashville, we were able to to sit and listen to the lesson and how good that was. This is a great series. I've really enjoyed this so far. So uh, thank you for the effort you've put into this. And I know you've got some, some tough questions to answer. So you've done a great job with that. We've lost some good people in the last few weeks. Yesterday, we buried Dave Williams, um, who was a long-time member at Southside. When you describe him, you describe him as he was a good man. But he lived his best life. He had a strong relationship with our Father. I hope today's lesson kind of spoke to you. And if there are people that you know that are asking that question of you, share that story of Cornelius with them. That's a really strong reference. We want you to remember the Shope family, obviously, the Chestnut family and the loss of Mackie last night. Um, we ask that you be with, remember Sherry Barnhill um, and Mike literally found out on his way to church this morning that his mom had passed. Um, he was standing in the parking lot when we pulled up and uh, I could see something was wrong. Uh, and he stood there and he said, I just saw her. He just went and saw her this morning. So remember the secret family. They're going to they're gonna go through a little bit of a rough time here, and we need to make sure that we are the family we're supposed to be and support them. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful, so thankful for the opportunity to have 
a relationship with you. We're thankful that you crave a relationship with us. The worst of sinners. The fact that you loved us enough to send your son, we... um, How blessed can we be that somebody would do that? We pray that you continue to be with all those that we've mentioned. The families that are going through hard times. The families who are looking for answers. And the families that are just needing healing. We pray that you wrap them in your arms and that you love them. We ask that you continue to be with our family here. Help us to be the support that we should be. Help us to be the kind of people that you want us to be. We're so thankful for the opportunities that we have to be here, uh, to come together still. Even amongst uh, this time during this pandemic, we're so thankful that you give us the opportunity to still gather together. We look forward to a time where we can embrace each other, uh, where we can uh, be near each other. We ask that you hasten that. We, uh, We pray that you be with us as a country. This is a big defining year for us. We pray that you help us to look to you for our guidance. We pray that you show us the way. We pray that our leadership look to you for guidance and to show us the way. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us and blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, let's all stand up for one more song, and then we'll be on our way. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth in holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your life, that I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. 
set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Have a good week.